Amen. You guys can go ahead and grab a seat. Welcome to Harvest. My name is Trey. I have the privilege of being the lead pastor here. And I just want to say welcome um, to the people who consider Harvest their home church. I want to say welcome back. It is good to see you. Um, and to the people who are new here for the first time, I just want to say um, welcome. We are so glad you are here. Um, one of the um, greatest uh, treasures in life is time. And um, we just want to say thank you for taking time out of your life to come and gather in God's house with this community um, and spend time in worship. And I'm so thankful for our worship team. And then as we go into God's word to just take time out of your life and um, invest in your soul by hearing from God's word. So thank you for being here. We've been in a collection of talks uh, called Hearing from God. And um, over the past couple weeks, we've talked about how we hear God through Jesus um, how we hear God from his word, mind-blowing truth, uh, how we hear God through prayer. And last week, Pastor Micah, who um, is one of the pastors in our Lake Nona location, um, was down here, and he talked about how we hear God in the whisper. And I just want to take a moment and close out this series by talking about, but how do we hear God? I'm in his word, I'm praying, but yet God still seems silent. I feel like I'm doing everything I'm supposed to be doing, but Trey, I'm here to tell you that God still seems quiet in my life. I'm going outside, I'm yelling to the heavens, or I'm in my room and I'm on my knees with tears in my eyes, and I'm just like, tell me something. Maybe you have been there, I have been there, where I feel like I'm doing everything right in my life, but yet No matter what I do, God still is not talking to me, or at least that's what it feels like. He is seemingly silent. Which leads me to my question I want to answer today to close out our series. What do I do when God seems silent? Notice I said seems, not is silent, but seems silent. I have um, shared this a lot, but I grew up, my dad was a pastor um, still is a pastor, and um, I grew up a, a, a pastor's kid, which um, you either end up like a pastor yourself or um, you're in jail. Like, I feel like those are the only two options for pastor's kids, but um, I, uh, my dad was also the camp director for our church, so grew up back in Jacksonville. Shout out Jacksonville 904. I grew up in Jacksonville, and um, the church I grew up in was a pretty large church, and we had our own property for our, a youth camp um, up in Keystone Heights, Florida. And um, every summer from the last week of school, the last day of school, that next Monday, we were at Trinity Youth Camp um, in Keystone Heights, Florida from like the first week of June till the first week of August. And that was my life from birth up until I stopped being the youth pastor at that church um, about two years ago. Like, that was my, I have grown up there, I spent time there, and here's what I will tell you, since I was born, here's what I can remember. My family stayed in this old trailer that was on camp property before I was even born, and um, this trailer had a TV, and for those of you who are under the age of 20, this TV had a, had a, a, a back to it. Mind-blowing. And I'm up here, like, saying I'm ancient. Like, that was, that's still, like, ancient, right? So, like, this TV had a back to it. Like, it was, it was heavy, and it was boxy, and um, it, it had no remote. Like, it was just go up there, press the buttons. And 
Um, I remember every single year, because when we went to camp, the NBA finals were to come on. Oh my gosh, you're talking about basketball again? Yes, it's who I am. So every single year, this, the, the NBA finals were on. And I remember all the counselors that were working and uh, support staff were working, they would all gather in this very small trailer with one couch and one, and one chair. Some people would sit on the floor. Other people, you know, you're in college. It's 20 per people to a couch. And um, my, we would all watch the NBA Finals on a TV that was like this wide and about this tall. And we would all kind of lean in and try to see what was going on. This was before you could get it on your phones. Um, this was before any streaming or anything like that was available. And so the only thing we had was this small TV. And this TV sat on this small little, um, like, little table. And it had four legs, and um, the carpet in the trailer was old. And um, we had never really tried to move the TV, but here we had antennas, and we would always try to adjust the antennas because in the middle of the screen were these, like, green and purple lines that would distort the view. And every now and then, we would get a clear picture, and then back to purple and green. I'm like, is Barney in the TV? What is going on? And it was just this purple and green line. Eventually, when I got to the age where I started to help out and really run things around the camp, right around 20, all of my buddies from college were also there. And so now I am full circle moment leading the camp and doing the best I can. And I have all of our counselors and support staff in the, in the trailer with me. And me and my buddy Josh, we have this brilliant idea. What if we don't move the antennas? What if we just move the TV over? Like, mind-blowing revelation, right? Like, let's just move the TV over slightly. Well, I picked it up, and the indentions in the carpet were matted, like, so deep from where that TV had been sitting for 20 years. I'm like, uh, let's not move the TV because that looks absolutely disgusting. Like, I don't want to see, like, four indentions in the carpet. Like, how are we going to cover this up? So we left it there for game one of the finals. And then game two, I was sick of it. I had no reception on my phone. I couldn't stream it clearly. I was just like, okay, we are taking this TV and we are moving it a foot to the left. My friends, when I tell you, when we moved it a foot to the left, that green and purple bar disappeared, and you would have thought we were watching this on a flat screen TV. It was amazing. And I just kind of had this moment where I chuckled. I'm like, for 20 years, my father, my forefathers, no, no, like just my dad and like my family, and we have struggled to get a clear reception because we simply refused to move the TV one foot to the left. And I'm here to tell you that it was not the broadcast that was the problem in this scenario. ABC was doing a wonderful job. No other TV in the world, if they had clear reception, was struggling with a purple and green line. Was struggling with the, with, with the, with the weird spaced out gray lines going up and down the TV. Like they weren't struggling with that at all, but we were. The broadcast was not the problem. It was the reception. And when it comes to God seemingly being silent, seemingly being quiet, I'm here to tell you, He is broadcasting. He is constantly speaking. I do not believe post-Jesus era, New Testament era of Christianity, that God is ever silent. 
So if we can't hear him, the broadcast is not the issue. Because God is always speaking, in fact, favorably speaking and graciously, constantly speaking to us. What is the issue then? The issue is the reception. You see, God's broadcast is not the problem. It is our reception. But in our lives, does it not seem that God is silent in the most inopportune circumstances? How about this one? In the middle of our pain or our plans, right? Our plans, like, God, this isn't... For, for many people in their 20s and maybe 30s, what am I supposed to do? What is your great plan for my life? What is your purpose for my life? Do I, do I take this job? Do I marry this person? Do I move to this city? What is your purpose? We look up and we're just waiting for God to say, move to Orlando. Like we're just like waiting for God to say, move to Michigan. Like we're just waiting for God to audibly say, why do I pick Michigan? I don't know. We're just audibly waiting for God to say, move here, go there. Yes, take this job. And when you take that job, invest in a 401k. And when you take this position, watch out for Stacy. Like we're waiting for God to audibly say these things. And it seems in the middle of these moments that we look up to heaven going, what do I do? Anything. It's quiet. So it seems. In the middle of our plans, or how about this, in the middle of our problems. God, I don't know how to respond. I just caught my kid looking at things he shouldn't be looking at. What do I do? God, I, I'm having a real hard time at work because of my boss. What do I do? How do I respond? I don't know how our family is going to function once the kids move out of the house completely. I don't know if our marriage is going to make it once our kids are completely gone and it's just me and my spouse looking at each other eye to eye and say, are we going to make it? What do I do, God? And again, seemingly silence. How about this in the middle of our pain? God, why did you allow this person to pass away? There were years of heartache. There were years of hardship, and we never even got to tell each other we were sorry. And now they're gone, and I have this past that I can never close. God, I, I don't know why this person is sick. I don't know why, this, why I feel so lonely, why I'm so broken. I'm devastated. I'm scared. I'm depressed. God, what do I do? And again, seemingly, he's silent. But what does scripture say, though? Scripture says, um, Psalms 46.1, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. So we have this scripture that does not line up with our reality, or so it seems. God, if you're here and you're present and you're supposed to be my help, then help me by speaking to me because I need to hear you. I need to hear you speak to me. I know we've covered this throughout the series, but I just want to remind us really quickly. I believe there are five ways that God really does speak to us. Number one is his word. His word. Luke 24, 25, and 26, this is what we covered the first week. These disciples are walking down this road after Jesus has died and risen again. They don't know that he's risen again. And they're walking, and Jesus hid in his identity from themselves. How? I don't know. He's God. Uh, he can do whatever he wants, but is walking with them, and he goes, what's the problem? They go, have you, 
Are you the only one that doesn't know what's happened in Jerusalem these days? He goes, what are you talking about? He said, this guy named Jesus, who we thought was our Messiah, uh, came and he, Rome is still in control. He hasn't freed us from Rome. He died on a cross. Better yet, it's been three days since he's died. And now they went to the tomb and they say the tomb is empty, which means the disciples must have stolen the body. And so we're on our way back home because we're so disappointed. And it says that Jesus, starting in Genesis, starting with Moses and the prophets, walked all the way and talked about everything prophesied about his resurrection and about his reign and about the real enemy he came to defeat. And by the time they get home and Jesus had left, they had this revelation of that was God. And they looked at each other and they said, were not our hearts burning within? Was not something stirred in our faith as he opened the Old Testament to us and explained it clearly? So God speaks to us through his word. He speaks to us, number two, through counsel. Proverbs 20, 18 says, Make plans by seeking advice. If you wage war, obtain guidance. So this was Solomon giving advice, and he was saying, Listen, if you're going to do something, get wisdom, get wise counsel about a major step that you're about to take. So God speaks to us through his word. He speaks to us through wise counsel. Number three, he speaks to us through authority. Romans 13, 1 says this, everyone must submit himself to the governing authorities of the land. Second Peter also talks about this. And so while I was in student ministry, students would come up to me and, and have the argument like, am I allowed to drink? What is your rule on drinking? I'm like, how old are you? They're like 16. I'm like, come to me when you're 21. Otherwise, shut up and don't drink. Like, it's just like, we're not even gonna have this conversation. If it's the rule of the land and God's word does not go against it, obey the word of the land. Like that is what scripture teaches us, that we are to be the best citizens in whatever country we dwell. Obey the laws of the land. So he speaks to us through his word. He speaks to us through his counsel. He speaks to us through the governing authorities. Number four, he speaks to us like we learned last week in a still small voice. This is divine revelation where you just have this epiphany internally and spiritually. We're like, okay, I really have peace and confidence that this is the way that God wants me to walk. This is the way that God wants me to go. This is what God wants me to do. This is what God wants me to say. And number five, circumstances. And this is the one where our circumstances preach a truth to us that allow us to believe that this is the way we should go. And to be honest, is this not the one we all want the most? This is the one that is so blatantly clear and it's right in front of our faces and it's like, okay, these circumstances are preaching a, a, a really good truth that this group of people are the enemies and this group of people are my friends. Whenever God's word says that humanity is not actually the enemy at all, but that there's a real enemy and these people have fallen victim to the real enemy and our hearts should not burn with hatred for them, but burn with compassion and love and prayer towards them. So circumstances may preach a truth that we think is truth, but in actuality, it actually gets us distorted. I'm here to tell you, when you start at number one, it is as pure as truth as you can get. And farther down the list you go, every single number the more room for human error there is and the less likely you will actually hear God's voice in the midst of it. When we start with God's word, that is his word. But by the time we get to circumstances, and yes, God does speak through circumstances, but circumstances are the most prone to human error. Interpreting the circumstances for God's voice for human error. Why? Because Jesus is talking to this group of people in Luke 16, and he says this, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, meaning this, if they do not listen to Genesis all the way, like every single book in the Old Testament, they will not be convinced even if someone rises from the dead. 
He was saying, if they're not listening to my word, and they don't believe my word, that my word is the foundation of faith, they're not going to believe even if the craziest of things happen. Why? Because what did Rome do? Jesus is risen from the dead. The disciples must have stolen his body. Something crazy must have happened, but for a man to get up and rise from the dead by his own power, impossible. So circumstances don't always preach the greater truth, even though that's the one we want to the most. But if God can speak to us in all these ways, why can't I hear him? Why? And I'm here to tell you, we can ask God why. But let me say this, every why in our lives must be followed with a what now. Every why in our lives must be followed with a what now. God, why is this happening? Seemingly silent. I still believe you're good, so what now? I still believe you're in control, so God, personally, what now? God, why did this person pass? I don't have clarity. I don't understand the reason but I believe you have a plan, so for me, God, what now? All throughout Psalms, you see David, and I love David. I I really um, feel like my heart and David's heart are connected because I am so emotionally unstable. It's, It's a joke. But David, if you read any of his Psalms, he'll start out the Psalm, he'll go, hey, God, why did this happen? I feel like you've abandoned me. Like, God, why have you forsaken me? And then three verses later, he goes, but I know whether I make my bed in heaven or wake my bed in hell, thou art with me. So here's what I'm going to do. And he starts out with this big why, but he goes into a what now. And that is what oftentimes we fail at doing. We ask God why, and we stay at the why until he reveals the why. But what happens when the why is not revealed until we reach heaven? Do we live a constant life of just questioning everything? Or do we go into the what now that God has called us all to? Because remember, because remember this, God's broadcast is not the problem, it is our reception. And just like that TV was in the wrong spot, and I had to move it somewhere, I'm here to tell you what is blocking your reception to God. I think scripture, which is where we're going to land today in James chapter 1, is very clear um, what it could be blocking our reception. I have these four chairs up here that I think really represent um, uh, categories that Scripture predominantly uses which identify what blocks our reception. Number one, um, I think a crowded heart can block our reception, meaning emotion. Like our heart is just so crowded with emotion. And when emotion rules, it ruins. When emotions rule our lives, it ruins our lives. And when emotions are high, godly wisdom is often at an all-time low. Godly wisdom is often at an all-time low. When emotions are high, godly wisdom is, is, is typically at an all-time low. But I have been here, and I'm sure you have as well. Well, we're just so full of emotions. We have a crowded heart. And some of the worst decisions I have ever made, some of the worst words I have ever spoken to another human being, were out of emotion. And I'm sure I can look at each and every single one of you and say, what is the worst thing 
you have ever done? And was it out of emotion? And the majority of you would say yes. What is the moment that you hurt your spouse the worst? Was it out of emotion? Yes, it was. Crowded hearts block our reception to God because we are just so driven by emotion, right? God, I'm just so angry. What do you want me to do? You want me to go punch that person? Yeah, I'm going to go punch that person. And it's just like God is like, whoa, whoa. But because of emotion in a crowded heart, it never ends up doing well, does it? Seat number two, a conflicted heart. And this heart is a heart of sin, where we have behaved ourselves out of belief. It's a conflicted heart of sin, where sin is just running so rampant in our lives without remorse or without repentance and really without a care Maybe you care a little bit, but not enough to say, God, I'm sorry, help me to not just stop doing this, but embrace something better. I'm just going to sit in the conflicted heart. Elijah, in the book of 1 Kings, he comes across these people um, called the Canaanites, and they're sacrificing um, children to their god, Molech. And um, he was the god that you would bring kids to, and you would bring them to the furnace. And it was a horrific, horrific culture. In a horrific, um, in, a, in, in a horrific uh, uh, religious thing to step into, and the people of God um, had started to worship this God. The Israelites had started to worship this God, and Elijah the prophet goes to the people of Israel, and he goes, "How long will you limp between two gods? We are called to run the race, like Paul talks about, freely and excellently to spread the gospel. And I'm here to tell you, you cannot run the race properly if you are limping." How long will you limp through life with a conflicted heart? What is this shield of sin that you run to over a free voice from God that is constantly talking? Maybe you're sitting in this chair and you're just like, I'm just, I'm sitting in a life full of filth and sin. And I can't hear God. Or maybe you're in the confused chair. This chair is a chair of doubt. This chair is a chair where our wise, we stop at wise and stop asking what now? Did God really rise from the dead? I don't know, man. There's just no way. Some of my friends that I talk to, they're 17, they're 18, they've got life all figured out, and they've told me scientifically that humans share up to 50% of DNA with a banana, therefore evolution must be true. I'm walking away from my faith. Or maybe it's, hey, I've been around long enough to know that if God is all good and my life has been all bad, there's no way it's real. And we just get into this moment of of doubt. And doubt in and of itself is not bad. Please don't confuse what I'm saying. It's when the doubt is listened to and behaved upon and, dr and when doubt drives your life, you will find yourself with a confused heart that does not know what the voice of truth is at all. And then we got this fourth chair. It's clear. This is where I pray you end up. This is where God wants you. 
This is where I want you. But more importantly, this is where I pray that you want to be. This is where I pray that you end up. Not in the crowded heart chair, not in the conflicted heart chair, not in the confused heart chair, but in where your heart is clear. Where, where you've taken the TV and you've moved it just a little bit over and now that you have this clear reception where we're, you're understanding God's broadcast for your life. Trey, how do I get here? How do I get here? I want to tackle these three chairs and just, I, I promise I'll be quick, but in order for us to go from the crowded chair to the clear chair, if you find yourself like, I have a really crowded heart where I really feel like I'm being driven by emotions, Here's what I implore you to do. And this is what I believe God's word teaches us to do. In James 1, 19 through 20, it says this. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Here's my advice to you, and here's my godly wisdom and counsel to you. Stop and listen. Thanks, Trey. Like, that really helps. <laughs> I know. Seriously. In the moments where emotions are high and, and a decision is required, stop and listen. Listen to his word. Listen to what he has to say. Listen to wise counsel. Even if it goes against your natural instincts, I feel like I really need to punch the guy. Don't do it. Be slow to anger. Oh, God, you don't know what you're talking about. Hey, buddy, what do you think? Should I punch this guy? Buddy, I wouldn't. He's 6'5", 280. You're 5'4", 85 pounds, soaking wet. I'm going to do it. No, stop and listen. Make a wise decision. I implore you to stop and listen. Don't let feelings Guard your heart, let faith be slow to reach or be slow to react in the moment and be quick to go to his word and prayer and wise counsel. Stop and listen. When David had a lot going on in his life and he was running rampant, he was, had, he was anxious, he was not in Israel where God wanted him to be, he was on the run in the wilderness and in caves and he's like, God, what do you want me to do? And God says in Psalms 46.10, he goes, be still. And know that I am God. How good would that do you in your life, in the middle of emotion, in the middle of anxiety and depression and loneliness and question, in the middle of all these things where I just, I'm so anxious, I'm so angry at these circumstances, I just don't know what to do. And God just goes, stop. Be still. And know I'm God. Okay. You're God. And I trust you. Let me get the conflicted heart, a heart full of sin. In James 1.21, really quickly, it says this, Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Eliminate compromise. In our culture today, we confuse agreement and obedient. Oh, I agree with God's word. 
Oh, I agree with what you're saying, Pastor. Oh, I, I agree with everything you've taught in my nine months of coming to this church since launch day. I have agreed with everything you've said. Yes, it's been a little challenging. Yes, it's kind of ruffled up our feathers. But I agree with you wholeheartedly. But I'm here to tell you in the nine months, God has not changed a single thing in my life other than my agreement with you. And I'm here to tell you, why is that? Because you have been quick to listen and slow to follow through. And I'm here to tell you that life change does not come without change. Stop confusing agreement and obedient. Oh, I agree with God's word. Are you obeying God's word? To the person in here who doesn't agree with what we're teaching but applies it anyways, I'm here to tell you, you are more spiritually mature than those who have attended church for years and years and years and know it and do nothing. To the people in the room who have sat under godly teaching for years and years of your, of your life and have done nothing with it, I'm here to tell you, you are still spiritually an infant. And you, the reason you are conflicted and the reason the reception is not clear is because you have confused the two. You're living in a life of sin. And I'm not to say if you sin at all, because we all sin. We all fall short of the mark of perfection. We all fall short of God's glory. But I'm talking about this. Willingly and knowingly, knowing what the right thing to do and doing the opposite anyways, because your flesh wants it so bad. Or this. You know you're living a life of sin, but it has become such a pattern of life for you. And if you were to remove it and to go this way, it would get messy your spouse may not like it. Your home, it would disrupt the, the, the comfort of discomfort, right? But I'm here to tell you, if you want to hear from God and you're sitting in this chair, here's what you need to do. Rid and remove the things that you know you are not supposed to be doing. Rid of them and remove yourself from them. Rid and remove. And then we can get to the confused chair, the chair of doubt. I doubt what's going on. I doubt the teaching. I doubt all this stuff. And here's what James, by the way, James is the half-brother of Jesus. He was Mary's son, and so half-brother of Jesus. And just imagine that lifestyle. Like, some of you feel like you have, like, a sibling who thinks they're perfect. Imagine having a sibling that was perfect. Life would be horrible. But this is James's teaching, and, and what he is saying is this, in James chapter 1, verses 23 through 25, for the confused chair, he says this, anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks in the face of a mirror, and after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forget what he looks like. But whoever looks intentionally or intently into the perfect law that freedom gives and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. They will be blessed in what they do. You ever been out in public or arrived somewhere for a dinner, and what do you typically do? This is what I do, and I may do it a little too much, don't judge me, but I look in the mirror a lot. I look in the mirror to make sure I don't have any dry toothpaste on my mouth, right, which happens to everybody, I look in the mirror to make sure that unibrow is gone. 
I look in the mirror to make sure, like, I'm, I'm primping proper, like, my collar is not tucked into my shirt like this. Like, I'm looking in the mirror, like, to make sure, like, okay, like, this looks decent. I look decent. And then I go, and on my way to uh, the car, there's another mirror that I stop and look by. And just one last second, and I'm like, oh, does this zipper look good up, like, another half an inch? Or does it look better down another half an inch? Like, how is this, like, going to look? And then I get in the car, and what is one of the first things you do? And then when you get there, you close the door, and there's your window reflecting your reflection, and you're like, all right, I'm good. And then on the way to the restaurant, there are windows along the restaurant, and you're looking at yourself, and you're like, oh, all right, like, I'm good. And then finally, you get to the place, and you're like, you look put together. What God's word is saying is like, if you are following my word, that is what you are. You're someone who is constantly in check. Someone who is constantly having, having, being put together. And not outwardly appearance. I'm talking about internally this is what God is talking about. Internally, you are put together. You are constantly checking. How's my heart? How am I doing? How am I, che- like, am, I, am, I, am I constantly checking myself? Like, am, I, am I good? Is my heart good? Is my heart healthy? I'm not, are there any doubts? Are there any places I need to check up on? And to the people that don't do this, they're the people that show up to the dinner with their hair everywhere, with stuff in their teeth, with toothpaste all over their mouth, with their collars tucked in, with the front of their shirt tucked in, but the back hanging out, with a ton of wrinkles on the back because they didn't check the thing to look back in the mirror. Like, we are those people who refuse to check our hearts that show up looking all disheveled. And some of us, we show up in prayer looking all disheveled, going, God, talk to me. I have been trying to talk to you. But my son, you are confused. Not that we need to go to God perfect, but you have been, not been checking up on your heart like you have been commanded and instructed to. So what do we do here? We know and follow. We know and we follow. This is different than submit and apply. This is no and follow. He goes, look into the perfect law which gives you freedom. What is that perfect law? His name is Jesus. We look at the person of Jesus and we go, you are who I want to model my life, my life after. Not my spouse, not my friend, not my pastor. I don't want to model. They may have things that I want to like, you know, emulate, but that's not who I want my life to look like. I want to look like Jesus. And the more we get to know Jesus and the more we get to understand his character and everything about him and the more we follow him, the more we start looking around and going, I'm, my, my spirit, my heart is intact. Like, my life is more put together than it has ever been. Why? What'd you change physically? It started there. It started here. It started with my heart. You say, Trey, this all seems like behavior modification. No, this is all about heart transformation. Submit and apply. Rid and remove. Know and follow. So that way, by the end of the day, you can find your heart clear. Because the state of your heart is the essence of who you are, and it matters. Proverbs 4.23 says this, Above all else, above all wisdom, I can give you people, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Guard it. 
Because when life gets hard and it gets difficult, and believe me, it will. When life gets hard and life gets difficult and you feel like you're just being pressed and squeezed by culture, by family, by hardship, by pain, by problems, by the plans that you don't know what to do with. When all of that starts to squeeze and press your heart and press your life. Who or what you do will overflow based out of who you are. Not who you want to be, but who you actually are. Everything you do will be an overflow of who you are, of where your heart is. And if your heart is crowded, if your heart is conflicted, and if your heart is confused you will think that God is silent and he is done with you. But if your heart is clear, you will know, and I'm not just saying this to be cute or clever, you will know that God is near, he is present, and he is closer than no other. John 10, 27 says this, my sheep listen to my voice, I know them and they follow me. When life gets difficult and we feel like the pressures of life are pressing down on us and we're looking to heaven going, God, I, I just got to hear from you. But my heart is crowded. I know. Just submit to what I'm teaching and apply it to your life. God, my heart is conflicted. I know. Rid and remove the sin. God, my heart is confused. I know. But know me and follow me. And when we do these things, I'm here to tell you that when we don't give up and we don't walk away, that the blessing from persevering, the blessing to persevering in our life spiritually is seeing, hearing, and experiencing God. There is a blessing to pushing through. There is a blessing with not being content with the, blue, with the purple and green line and the fuzzy static. There is a blessing to going from this chair to that chair. There is a blessing from going from this chair to that chair. There is a blessing from going from this chair to that chair. And I'm here to tell you, God won't move you. He will nudge you and urge you and show you the path. But God is not behind you pushing you going, come on. God is in front of you saying, take my hand and follow me and I will lead you there. And it is up to you to say, okay, okay, I understand now that the broadcast is not the problem. There's no antenna issue in heaven, but there is a placement issue on earth. Here. You're like, Troy, I'm in church. I'm, I'm physically where I'm supposed to be. I'm in a good chair. I don't know your heart, but you do. If we're being honest and God has seemed quiet, it's time for a reality check. And I don't say this condemningly, I say it encouragingly, that God does not have to seem quiet anymore. You can get to that clear chair. You can get there. You can get there. For some of you who have been questioning for so long, is it possible for me to hear God again? I'm here to tell you it's okay to question, but it's not okay to quit. Don't quit. Don't give up. 
Let me encourage you to keep going. Let me encourage you to keep walking. Let me encourage you to keep following. God knows everything about you and loves you anyways. God knew what you were going to do today and tomorrow. God knew what you were, the greatest mistake of your life was going to be while he was on the cross and died anyways with you in his mind. Why? Because he loves you. He is bigger than you think he is. He is more loving than you could ever imagine. He can change you in ways that you could not even dream of. He has never lost. He has conquered the ultimate enemy. He has never been surprised. He is the greatest of all time. He is always right, never wrong. And I'm here to encourage you and challenge you. Keep following him. Keep submitting to his word and applying his word to your life. Keep removing and ridding sin from your life. And keep getting to know and follow the greatest person who has ever walked this earth named Jesus, who is now at the right hand of God in heaven on our behalf, advocating for you and for me. And when you do these things, you'll be in the chair and I'll walk up to you and the next Sunday I'll be like, how are we doing? God said so much to me this week. I got in his word with a clear heart. I went to him in prayer with a clear heart. I didn't go with my agenda. I came with openness and he spoke to me. And I didn't go with my worldview to the Bible. The Bible is now my worldview in my life. And next thing you know, I'm just, God has so much to say. He does. And he has all along. There's a problem in our household called me, and um, so often my wife will be trying to tell me something, and we, our, our house, I don't know if it's soundproof and, you know, and made for the apocalypse or what, but like if you're in another room, you can't hear anything, and my wife will be talking to me when we're both in the bedroom, and I'll leave to go to the living room, and I don't do it on purpose, but whatever she was saying, it's gone. <laughs> like I just can't hear her, and she'll come around the corner like 15 seconds later, and she'll go, did you not hear me? I was like, no. She's like, well, I've been talking for like the past 15 seconds. Like, I'm so sorry. She was talking. She was broadcasting. I was the one that left. I was the one that switched rooms, that switched chairs. I was the one that was not receiving. And I'm here to tell you, where are you this morning? If you feel like God has been silent, if you feel like God has been quiet, which one of these three chairs do you find yourself in this morning? Do you find your heart in? God has never stopped talking. And he has so much to say, and not just in general, but about your life and about your season and about your heart. So what will you do? I can't make the choice for you. So what now? So what now? I pray that you would submit your life to God, that you would look to heaven with a clear heart, and you would say, I am receiving what you are broadcasting. 
I pray this week that you hear from God in a way that absolutely wrecks and changes your life for the good. God is always broadcasting. Are you receiving this morning? Let me pray with you. Dear God, I'm thankful for you. Thankful for your goodness and your grace and thank you for your voice. God, thank you for your word that you have gifted to us. God, this word is such a gift in our time. People about a thousand years ago didn't even have access to this book and now it's left off the New York Times bestseller every year because if it was put on, it would be number one every single year. But it feels like the most disregarded book in our lives. Thank you, though, for your word. Thank you for your truth. And God, I pray through your Holy Spirit that, God, you would open the hearts and the ears of the people in this room this morning. That we would hear from you, hear from heaven, hear from your word. And God, when your word speaks in Genesis, it created, you said, let there be light. And billions and billions and billions of galaxies just existed. God, when you said it is finished, our debt and our payment towards sin was done. And God, the power in your word is eternity changing. It is life altering. It is reality warping. And I pray that somebody in this room would hear a word from you and their life would forever be changed because of one single word from heaven. We pray this in faith that we would all at some point, either today, in this moment, or in our lifetimes, find ourselves in the clear chair and never want to leave again. So God, speak to us. You have been so good our entire lives. And we want to hear from you. We're not going to stop walking. We're not going to stop following. We're not going to stop with the why. We're going to go, now what now? And I pray over these past five weeks that we have given them clearly the what now. So help us walk in it in spirit and in truth. God, you're great. God, you're amazing. I love you. And God, I pray all these things in your precious and holy son's name. Amen.